I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. The, the relationship itself is what you're not happy with. It's mm. not him. It's the relationship itself is not working. And you both co-created that. So like right now, you're both playing a role in it. And if you step out of this role that you're playing, he has no choice but to step out of the role that he's been playing. So mm. you can literally shift that relationship dynamic out of something that's dysfunctional into something that's healthy by just refusing to play your current role in it. Welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast, a live workshop-style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things, parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home, and what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Hey friends, welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast. I am so pumped for today's episode. You guys are in for a treat. Today we have an interview with Beth Rolls, and she is the only conscious parenting and marriage coach who helps overextended or entrepreneurial mom who feels like she's doing everything herself create the partnership that she wants with her husband without losing her marriage or her business in the process. So Beth helps women use the conflict in their marriage as a feedback loop to grow in self-awareness so they can create healthy relationships using her proven system, the six-step quantum love journey. I can't wait for you to listen. Enjoy. 
Welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast. I am your coach, Michelle Grosser, and today I'm super excited for this conversation we are going to have with Beth Rolls. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So Beth is a conscious parenting and marriage coach. I love that. I know obviously it's a motherhood podcast, but we get a lot of questions and feedback on the episodes that we do about marriage and relationships Mm. and communication. Um, So I'm just knowing that there's so many women out there that are going to be encouraged by this conversation today. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Before we kind of jump into the nitty gritty of what you do and what you teach, just tell us a little bit about who you are and your family and kind of how you got started on this journey of consciousness. Sure. Well, like speaking of motherhood, my journey here started when I became a mother. I was an engineer up until then. And then I had my first girl. And while she was a baby, I saw um, Dr. Shafali talking about conscious parenting on Oprah. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's the one that I want to do with my kids. Like that's the one where we heal from our past and own all our stuff and not give it to our children. Um, so I started learning everything I could about conscious parenting, child development, and, you know, I still had babies, so they weren't triggering me. They were just awesome. And I just love being a mom. Yeah. Just like I was, chronically um tired <laughs> but, but other than that like it was just like normal motherhood everything was good um and then i realized like you know my husband's really driving me nuts he's just not like it felt like he changed after they were born and we had been you know one of those like he was not an early relationship we were older when we met we were an e harmony match like i had done all the checklists of like the perfect guy. And I thought he was going to be so great. And then they came and like all my attention went from him to like over here to these kids. And I guess he didn't really like that, you know, <laughs> was feeling uh, some kind of way. And so we started to have problems and he uh, wasn't parenting the way I thought he should. And I was learning all this stuff. So I was like, even more anxious about how I parented, like, oh, no, they have to have this at this stage. And how dare you not like sit with her while she was crying? And oh, my God, so it just created all this tension. So I became a conscious parenting coach, but I ended up using all that work in my marriage, which mm-hmm. saved it because we were at the point where we we're like, well, let's just get divorced then. Well, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to work. So I realized I could apply it all to him. And then I kept doing the work and like figuring it out. And so now I've made like a framework that I teach my clients. This is exactly what you do in a relationship with another adult and how you navigate their traumas, your traumas, their dysregulation, how you manage your nervous system, how you actually like have a healthy relationship with another adult person without thinking that you just have to like get rid of them because they, they suck. Like there's another option. So yeah, that's what I do now. I quit my job and just went crazy into all this work. I love that, man. And I can just really relate. And your story resonates a lot with me. Um, I always say like my husband and I, we had a good marriage. I think we have a great marriage now. We're, we're almost 14 years into being married Two kids. Mm -hmm. And before our first daughter was born, like, man, we took all the like parenting 
classes and childbirth mm-hmm. and breastfeeding and all that. And like you buy the books and you read all the things and you have the apps. And I'm like, we are so prepared to like have a baby in our home. We were mm-hmm. so ill-equipped for how that baby would affect our marriage <laughs> and like, you yeah. know, trigger and mirror so many opportunities and areas of growth that we probably didn't even know existed. Um, and I think the other part of it too, that's kind of coming up for me as you share that is that um, the lie or maybe the tragedy of like the American fairy tale, <laughs> like yeah. we all like are raised and have this thought like the rom-com or the Disney movie where it's like, we're going to get married and this man is going to make us happy. And he's going to like maybe fill in all of these things that we didn't even know we didn't get from our dad, maybe that we're expecting someone else to fail or whatever it is. And it's just not reality. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're just so sorely mistaken and it really is tragic. Um, So I would love for us to kind of just start a conversation of like, I think sometimes a lot of women come to me and they're like, but how do I just fix him? Like, he's not (laughs) doing this and he's not doing that. And if he only did X, Y, and Z, like everything would be better in our relationship. So, I mean, this is what you do. Like when, when women come to you with that story, one, like, how do you respond? Like, what's the narrative and (laughs) it work? Yeah. Well, it's so hard not to go really complicated you know, into the whole thing. Cause I just want to spit everything I know at people, but <laughs> I always say like the, the relationship itself is what you're not happy with. It's mm. not him. It's the relationship itself is not working. And you both co-created that. So like right now you're both playing a role in it. And if you step out of this role that you're playing, he has no choice, but to step out of the role that he's been playing. So mm. you can literally shift that relationship dynamic out of something that's dysfunctional into something that's healthy by just refusing to play your current role in it. And so the current role, as you know, is we come to relationships, not only with like the Disney fairy tale that always ends at the wedding. (laughs) I have no idea like what the the rest of it is like, like what is happily ever after, which is ironically the name of my coaching program. Um, We have no idea. And then we just, we don't know how to relate to another person in a healthy way because our parents never did with us for for the most part. Like even if you had a really healthy parent, maybe they went and had their conversations away from you as children. Um, Maybe you never saw like healthy disagreement. Maybe you never saw true like you know, we talk in business about transformational leadership. You probably saw authoritarian leadership, like do the thing that I said to do or else (laughs) kind of thing is how most of our parents were. So we think then when we talk to our husband that there's no other option there because we're like, do the thing or else, or we say it kindly at first and they don't do it. And we don't know how to respond to them not doing the thing. Other than by like yelling or going into fear or punishment or reward or all these control things. And so we like, even for me becoming a conscious parent, I could see that I needed to do that work with my children, but I like put Dave, my husband, like in this box. I was like, oh, he's different. Like he, (laughs) which I don't know why I thought he was different. It's the same thing. It's like respect and empathy and equality and you know, really transparent, vulnerable communication and all these things that apply to both relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You said something that's really interesting to me that if 
we do the work and we change, like both of us as partners are responsible for how the state of the marriage is. But if we do the work and change, then our partner has no choice but to also change. And that's super interesting to me because I can picture marriages or scenarios where women are like, oh, but you don't know my husband. (laughs) I tried all of this stuff and he just is the way he is. Like, why is it that when we change, they have no choice but to change? Or how does that show up maybe in ways that we don't necessarily expect it to? Yeah. There's so many layers to how it shows up because the very first way it shows up is our energy. So okay. if we walk around with, you know, very dysregulated nervous systems and we easily go into fear, then we have stories that match that. And then we have actions that match that. So if we can't hold on to our own energy around somebody else, then we always move into a dysfunctional pattern because we're always like fight, flight, freeze, fawn with the other person. Um, And when we do that, then we can't do things that we need to like hold boundaries or actively listen to them um, or give them empathy. We just become very defensive and our ego comes up and is like, protect, protect. And our inner child is in there like, help me. I don't know what to do. (laughs) And there's just so much going on. So when we become regulated, self-regulated, when we know what our emotions are telling us, when we can manage them, when we can manage our energy and shift into love and stay there, no matter what the other person is doing, when we can meet them with empathy, those things, that's how we just navigate what can be messy relationships. Otherwise is you kind of have, just like we, with our children, we kind of have to be like that steady rock. That's okay. No matter what, you know, if they're going through a tantrum or whatever, it's the same thing with our husband, like the steadier you are, he has no choice, but to come around to also study, like we co-regulate they entrain to us. If you read stuff about quantum physics, they match our energy um, with boundaries. They have to work out problems for themselves, just like our kids would. We don't come in and save them. The most common, so I, my husband has ADHD and most of my clients are married to a man who has ADHD or traits of it at least. And, you know, we have a parent-child dynamic most of the time. Like the wife becomes the parent to poor helpless husband who acts like he can't get things done. (laughs) So we have to stop mothering him, stop saving him, you know, help him experience what the consequences of his own choices, help him know how he can grow and like, hey, life is hard, huh? Maybe you want to get some additional (laughs) support with us or learn some new skills to help you achieve the things you want to achieve. So, yeah. Yeah. There's beautiful um, responsibility in that, in that kind of boundary, right? What are some of the other boundaries that you see frequently, maybe in parenting or in um, marriage relationship that you find women really struggle, maybe even being aware that they have to set a boundary that even is a boundary. Yeah. Well, why don't we just like define boundary first, because I think some people don't even know what that is. So the boundary is a separation between everything that you are and everybody else. So it's really just like, I'm going to say, like, imagine you in a glass jar and everything inside that is yours, your energy, your inner resources, your thoughts, your emotions, your belongings, your money, your time, your body. All those things are yours to protect. And then because we're moms, our children are vulnerable. So we also protect their boundary. 
for them. So for me, a lot of the work I had to do was walking kids away from him if his behavior was unacceptable or we're saying, you know, how you spoke to them is unacceptable and um, walking myself away from any way that he would talk to me that was disrespectful or like um, even like gaslighting, trying to tell me a story and expect me to buy into it. It's like, okay, well, I'll be back when, when you're done storytelling. Um, so it's not like I used to think it was such an ultimatum, like you do this or I'm leaving. And it's more like, what would you do if you love yourself? That's what I always tell clients to use. Like, what would you do if you love yourself? Because a lot of us grow up with such a poor relationship with our self-worth that we don't even know that we can protect ourselves this way. Um, a lot of our parents violated our boundaries repeatedly in their parenting because they didn't know better. Right. Like they'd spank us. That's a boundary violation. Yell at us or laugh at our ideas. That's a boundary violation. Say that we weren't feeling what we're feeling. You know, like, oh, you're okay. You're okay. That's a boundary violation. Yep. Um, so we have to love ourselves. And then we have to get, as you've talked about, like this healthy relationship with emotion and Mm -hmm. anger is the emotion that arises in your body when your boundaries are being violated Mm -hmm. or when you're reminded of a time that your boundaries were violated. So it could be an inner child thing or it's a present moment thing. And so you, if, if you've like rejected anger your whole life, because you thought it was a bad thing and you have no idea, (laughs) like, oh, maybe I should protect myself right now. Or, oh, maybe this doesn't um, show me my worth. So we really have to show other people how to love us. It begins with us holding those boundaries for sure. That's that's really good. Um, just you're talking about anger there at the end. <laughs> it's like something I can, it's, it's, it's a journey I've been on, especially in the last year to completely reframe my own paradigm about anger and like, righteous anger and healthy ways to express anger and what anger is trying to communicate or tell me or call forward out of me. Um, and I'm just, or I've been, especially as a lawyer, so disconnected (laughs) from my body and my emotions and part of just my personality, right? Like everything's going on up here. The wheels are always turning, but ask me how I feel about something or ask me what that's like, how that feels in my body. I, I didn't even know what that meant. Like how to even drop in and pay attention. And it's a practice that I'm learning, but, or, and with, with anger, when I look back now, like I've become so much more conscious is probably the word in the last few years. But when I look back on right, when my first was born, I had so much um, suppressed anger, I think, Mm -hmm. over unspoken expectations I had for how my husband was going to show up as a dad. That one, I didn't even know I had. And then two, I for sure did not communicate with him. Right. Um, So then I'm getting so angry and I'm suppressing all of this. And I found, or as I look back now, I'm like, man, the resentment that came out of that was so deep. And I look back and like, I just see things that I'm going to like really vulnerable with you guys for a second. But like, I look back at things like I would just get this urge to like kick my dog if he like barked in the middle of the night and like would wake oh, up yeah. or like stuff like that. Like just these things. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? This isn't me. Um, and I just wonder for some women that one have that paradigm that anger is not for women or it's a bad thing, or it's like something that should be suppressed, control yourself, whatever they've never seen. Seen it expressed in a healthy way. 
one, I want to just hear your take on like the importance of that. And then two, like, how do you start to express anger in a healthy way or like become connected to even its existence in your life and and unearth all that's buried in there? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think so many people can relate to your story, by the way, because, uh, and me too, because when, you know, anger also comes up because everything in our boundary needs to be protected. Um, when we don't get enough sleep, when we don't get any time for ourselves, when we don't have time for self-care practices, when we don't have time for things that light us up, that's also, we're violating our own boundaries, right? Wow. So we get anger from that. If you've got a new baby in the house, what are you not getting? <laughs> like, there's no sleep, no personal time. Your body's never your own because at that point in the journey, you, you know, they are attached to you. They feel like mom and me are no different. We're like one and the same. And that's basically what that period is like. And it's so, so hard, especially if you've never done it before. It's like, what in the world has happened to me? And so we are literally in this fog and completely depleted, always running on empty. And so it seems like he's the bad guy because we're not getting the time and space to take care of ourselves or like, if you got up during the night, then I'd be fine. So it's like, uh, it's really a cry for help, but we shove it down and we repress it. And then we get resentful because we've abandoned ourselves. We have not listened to what's really important for us. We've not paid attention to what we need. We pretend that we don't have needs, which is the classic empath end of that spectrum. And when we're way over there on the empath narcissist spectrum, you know, where we normally care for everybody and we get our worth from meeting other people's needs, then we begin to see like, oh, he's a narcissist and he's a jerk and he only thinks about himself. But in my case, anyway, it was fine until there's baby. Like I got my mothering in taking care of him. And I felt like a worthy person because I'm making a meal and like, you know, getting a massage or whatever. And, and then the baby needs all of that. And it's like, no, I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore. It's not okay. And then we're like, oh, but you're not a baby. You should be taking care of yourself. Um, so anyway, we like completely abandon ourselves. We have no idea how to listen to this. And then we don't know how to share it. We don't even know what to ask for, what's going on. And really, we just, we're like crying out for that time and space. So for healthy anger expression, the most simple thing you can do is just go, ah, I feel anger and allow it to flow. And like, imagine that energy flowing through your body, like give it a color or something, feel it coming out of you and literally strengthening that glass jar, strengthening your boundary, which is an actual thing. Like at the end of your arms, if you stretch them out, that's the end of, you know, your energetic boundary. Imagine it like lighting that up. He will actually feel that energy if he's close to you. (laughs) He can feel your anger without you yelling, throwing things, slamming doors, whatever. They can feel that. So invite it, allow it to flow through your body. Um, if it's really like pent up stuff, if you're really upset, like anger comes out a lot with grief. You know, um, the people you were talking beforehand about people who are affected by the hurricane, they're going to feel angry at some point for all their stuff being devastated. Like, I mean, go to a smash room, punch yeah. a pillow, like throw paint on a canvas. I just beat things up, <laughs> you know, yell, scream, dance. There's lots of ways to get it out, exercise, some people clean, um, mm-hmm. just, you know, those you can think of like 
you know, it's a healthy way to move energy out of your body. Just don't violate other people's boundaries when you're angry. That's the only thing. The only time you would is if it was self-defense. Like if somebody jumps you, you know, you're obviously going to do whatever you have to do to get them off you. Um, Mm -hmm. But most of the time we just have to keep, keep it contained (laughs) and do it in appropriate time and place, which is part of regulation. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. Something I teach my clients about anger too, when it comes up, like in the workplace or you're at the grocery store, it's like not time to just be like throwing things around or yelling or whatever it is. It's really like acknowledge that anger. Right. And like, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I am going to make an appointment to release you or, you know, deal with you tonight at 8 PM or whatever, when I'm home and then to really honor that. So your nervous system starts to trust that you're, you know, it's not going to stay stuck in there. Um, so I love that, but I also want to hear how you really encourage that healthy anger release in your kids or mm-hmm. anger releasing your kids. Like, do you have some ways that you like to use with them or that they like to use, or how do you encourage them to do it in a safe, mm-hmm. healthy way? That's respectful to those around them. Yeah. Well, the first part is just helping them understand, you know, like you hear people say label their emotions. A lot of times I will say, you know, I, it's totally understandable that you feel angry because whatever. Um, and that was not okay. But then like, I have a little guy and women usually turn it inward and make it about themselves and cry. Boys usually express it outward. yell, like very expressive. Um, so his first reaction is like to hit his sister. <laughs> like if she takes his stuff or touches him, she's all touchy feely, which is like my husband. How old and is so he? She'll, so he's six and she's okay. eight. It's okay. like, she'll go in and like rub his face or something. He'll be like, ah, just be so upset. And so a lot of the time it's like, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to hit your sister. You know, you cannot do that or you cannot break things. Um, you know, I say, you want to go throw a ball, you want to stomp your feet, you want to go punch a pillow, like all the same stuff you want to pound Play-Doh. Sometimes I'll get that out. Um, basketball, like whatever helps them move that out. It's really pretty much the same stuff as for adults, which is for us as parents, we just have to be careful about not, not, not letting our girls turn it inward and not letting our boys like hurt other people. Yeah. 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 That's really good. I live in Miami and one of my favorites is I'll just like throw them in the pool. I'm like, just go throw, like go thrash around in <laughs> yeah. there. You can't hurt anyone else. Um, but that's, I like the Play-Doh idea too. That's really good. I hadn't heard that before. Learn that from Mr. Rogers, <laughs> the OG. Expert oh, yes. <laughs> yes. oh man. Um, I, this morning, actually, as you were saying, that was reminding me my, so my girls are four and five and a half, but there was this like one gold necklace that no one's worn for years that it's been in this house. But this morning, of course, they both <laughs> wanted to wear it to school. <laughs> and my five-year-old puts it on and she's just like walking around the house. She's not trying to throw it in her sister's face, but her sister sees it. She wants to wear it. I'm, I'm in her bedroom helping her get dressed and she's four and she like her hands turned to little fists and she puts them down and she's just like, mom, I'm feeling so angry. And I was just like, I had this. Yeah. That, and that was my response. I like got goosebumps and I'm like, wow. I'm like, do you know how powerful it is that you can tell me that like that, you know, that's how you're feeling and you can say that. And she kind of worked through it and she was fine. But I was like, wow, like, at, like what a gift at four that she has to be able to like name these things and be like, um, 
know encouraged and know that it's welcome all of it yes. is is welcome I'm like oh like made my whole morning <laughs> so I'm so yeah. excited yeah um so you talked a little bit about, about your course um tell us more about it like is it tell us I guess like how it flows is it modules is it one-on-one with you like how it how that works and then kind of what the framework is that you teach within it Sure, sure. Well, like I said earlier, it's called Happily Ever After. The idea is that you can be happy in your life no matter what's going on around you, no matter who's around you. I'm really helping other women to live a life from a place of love and not a place of fear. And so we're learning how to do the inner work for three months, and then we take it outside for three months. And it's a hybrid program. So they get a course. And then they also work with me one-on-one every week. We do like an hour long coaching session. And each month they master one of six skills. So the first month we learn how to explore triggers. And we have to do a little bit of excavating and go through childhood stuff just so that when something comes up, you know, oh, this might be related to the fact that I have all these memories of being embarrassed when I was a kid. And that's what's being triggered right now. So we just kind of, you know, see what's there, first of all, and then how you actually go into why that bothers you, like judgments and um, golden and dark shadows and mirrors, because everything that bothers us and other people is a mirror to something in ourselves. We have to take that ownership of like, oh, it's funny. I'm making a, a new course, just a small one on communication. And I put a strengths and challenges assessment in it the other day. Okay. I was like, this would be a good thing to do before you do this. And I took it for myself to see my strengths and challenges. And I was like, oh my God, like I have more technically than my husband. <laughs> when I look at like these household tests and stuff, there are yeah. things that like I said, put, you know, if you were on survivor, the things that other people would keep you in to do because you're so good at them. Like, I'm not really good at all these things. I do them. I don't enjoy them. Mm. So it turns out that a lot of what bothered me about my husband was him reflecting back to me how I was feeling inadequate at home. I wasn't keeping up with stuff. I was feeling disorganized. I was like frustrated that the house would get cluttered. And then, you know, why isn't he helping me when it's like, it's really my stuff that I'm upset about. So we, we go through that whole process and how you um, kind of deconstruct those things. And then the next month we actually do the healing work. How do you repairing yourself? How do you go in and give yourself what you need? How do you stop looking for this knight in shining armor? Who's never going to come? How can you be your own knight in shining armor? You know, how can you take responsibility for this? And then the third month, we do something called energetic coherence. You talked about not being in your body. This is the work that gets us down into our body and we can get really intimate with those emotions, but also know how to like shift out of something like, okay, I know I'm angry. I know I need to hold a boundary. I did it. Um, I healed anything related to it. Now that I've done that, how do I shift back up into a place of happiness or into a place of love? Because I don't need to stay here anymore. Um, and then, then we start to take that out and this is where they struggle (laughs) because it's so much fun to do like the inner work, um, harder to, you know, apply it. You know, I don't know if you remember from school, like for me, it's so much easier to take a test on something I've just learned than it is to like, go write a paper, (laughs) something I've learned or, you know, do a capstone or something. 
like, I'm not, just test me. I'm good. I yeah, know let me that. just memorize this stuff. Right. Test me to actually, yeah. like, show you my work or whatever. I like. know. I know. I procrastinate on the application, but this is the application. And we start with like learning all about intentions and how we manifest by choosing the way we want to show up mm. instead of expecting other people to show up a certain way. And then we move into connection and empathy. And that one's always a big challenge because if you're not really good at giving yourself empathy, then you really struggle at giving your husband empathy. And if you're a big problem solver, like we're tempted to just listen to them complain and then say, we'll do this and it won't be a problem instead of like, oh, you know, tell me more about that. Or it seems like you're feeling angry or all those things that we do, you know, now we do as coaches. And then the last month is communication. And I learned a lot of the communication work from a former FBI hostage negotiator, Chris Voss. You might've heard of him. Is that Um, first what the difference is that? Yes, that's that guy. He has a masterclass on masterclass. (laughs) It's so good. Like it's like, oh, this is the thing I need to know. But he talks about like what, how to um, ask questions that guide the conversation or shape their thinking. So you don't just kind of get into this like circle with your husband and just go around and around a topic. It's like, Mm. okay. But what is important here? Like, is it important for, you know, do we want our kids to feel happy and loved and connected to us? Or do we want them to like become doctors? Like <laughs> what's important here? So bringing them back to, you know, what we really are passionate about. And, um, you know, like this new course I'm doing, like the ability to share what we need in a vulnerable way that doesn't make them like, quote unquote, make them feel defensive or attacked or criticized, Um, how we actually speak like a leader Mm. and encourage people to come up with solutions and to want to do things instead of being like, go empty the dishwasher. You know, it's more of sharing our worries, our observations and our vision. Like I imagined a clean kitchen or, you know, I'd really love to have this kitchen be clean so that I could spend time with you this weekend and not have to think about it or, Oh, the dishwasher's done, you know, just that observation. So they can go, Oh, maybe somebody should (laughs) empty it. That'd be great. Like, and they can see how they can serve you instead of you like telling them how to serve. And that's it. So then once they learn all those six steps and they can use them anytime on their own afterward or continue to, you know, if they haven't done a lot of healing work before they get to me, Maybe they go back in and go, okay, I need to go a little deeper into this before I'm ready to do that. But they have the whole process because I don't want anybody to depend on me forever. Like a therapist you have for six years doesn't really make sense to me. Like you should be able to figure stuff out, you know, on your own and like be learning new skills and getting better at other things other than just talking about the same stuff over and over again. That's my opinion anyway. That's so good. I love that. Um, I, okay. So tell me about this communication one. Is that going to be coming out soon? Yes. Yeah. I just did the videos for it yesterday. It's just a smaller course. So my, my big program, I mean, it's a six month commitment and I get that that's, you know, a lot for people, but if you're thinking about divorce, you're absolutely ready for it because nobody wants to break up their family. You know, it's, we know how important it is for our children that we don't divorce. And then, you know, just for us, like, you know, if I look now, when I look back at how things were 
And then I see now the kids like playing with their dad or having a good time with him. Just like, oh, I'm so glad that I didn't didn't rip us apart because they're so happy that he's here and we're together and I'm so happy. So anyway, so this one is just a shorter one because I found I have this download on my website called 30 text templates to end his resistance. And it basically like shows you how to ask for things and get him to help. But I tell them like to share their worry. And I discovered that that was really hard for a lot of uh, like wives to get to. Mm. So this breaks down like how to actually go in and figure out like, what am I really worried about? What is really underneath this thing? Why is it really bothering me? Wow. I, um, just the power, I think I see it over and over and I coach on it a lot too. And just being vulnerable in your relationships and the intimacy that brings, right? Like I had this one um, person I was coaching. It's kind of reminding me of, of this communication thing, but the issue was that when they went to a party or somewhere social together as a couple, he's out talking to everyone else. And she feels like she's like her Island alone over here, like abandoned in this whole thing. And she was like, she, she got really upset about that. Right. And I was like, the more we talked about that, the more it was not like, you need to stay by my side through this whole thing. That's my expectation. But I have this fear of being abandoned or I have a history where, you know, this is coming up and I just need you where, whenever you feel like it's, you know, you, it works for you in the night to check in on me five times. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, and then to be able to move through that, but to be able to share, I guess the deeper need beneath that. It's not really, I need you, you know, to introduce me to everyone and like, make sure that they know I'm your wife. It's that I just need to feel connected to you when we're in this, these kinds of situations or something. And I think that, um, it takes a lot of like the power struggle out. I think it takes a lot of the micromanaging of our partners out or (laughs) feeling like you were saying that we're just like throwing these commands or ultimatums or whatever, but it's like letting, like letting them get a glimpse at that inner child and what's really in there beneath all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to speak authentically. You know, that's what my book, The Authentic Wife is all about. And my podcast, (laughs) Like, what can you uncover that would help you share that more authentically? So they know, because you can't really argue with authenticity. You know, you can't be like, well, defensive when you speak, you know, from what's on your heart, there's all they can do is either decide to do something about it or walk away from you. And I have found that most men deeply desire to keep you around and keep you happy. And they will serve once they understand, you know, what is going on, first of all, and then why it's important to you. Yeah. They want to lead and they want to serve. Right. But it's hard to do that (laughs) when you're like under this, this, this microscope. Uh, I think that's so good. The other thing too, that wasn't reminding me of is I really teach a lot on, on nonviolent communication, which is what all of us is. Right. And it is, it's just like identifying um, the feeling. And then once you can share what the feeling is, these are universal feelings. So it's not just like this demand, but it's like, this is how it made me feel. And our partners can relate to that. Maybe not in that specific situation, but they've felt, you know, embarrassed before they've felt sad before angry, you know, whatever that emotion is that's coming up. So that bridges um, a lot of divides, I think too. Oh yeah. The, the only trick I would say with that is make sure to share that feeling as with ownership, mm. not like when yeah. you did this, I felt because then they get defensive and it's more like, I feel this way because this happened, you know, 
everybody left me behind at my fourth birthday party. And so I feel alone and just kind of feeling sad and wish I had somebody to talk to at the party, you know, like that kind of ownership of the feeling um, instead of making other people, because that's part of our boundary. We are all responsible for our own feelings. Yeah. Something within that, that I just like have learned recently too, is a lot of the things that we think are our feelings, um, especially these words that end in ed. So like, Mm abandoned, embarrassed, like whatever all these words are, the, the implication within that is you made me feel this way, right? Like I can't feel abandoned unless you abandon me. I can't Mm -hmm. feel embarrassed unless you embarrass me. So these things that we think are feelings actually aren't really feelings. Like the feeling is that I was sad or angry or what, you know, whatever it is. So. Ah, that's a good one. Good little hack there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Tell the listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find you. Yes. They can go. All your good stuff. They can go find all the things, which I really have too many at the authentic wife and mom.com. There's a tab at the top that says marriage and you can get all my free resources there. Click on it and takes you to like every blog and all the things. And so, or you can listen to the authentic wife show podcast. Um, and my handles on like Facebook and Instagram are family beings. So you can hang out there too. Family beings with an S. Nope. Just family being family being. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Not a good branding choice, <laughs> but it's like, like it. uh, cause in the beginning it was very much about like being instead of doing, you yes. know, as we talk about just be, um, so yeah. Family being, I love it. That was cute. Well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a pleasure. It's been um, just thought provoking for me. And it's just good things to like be reminded of, even when you're in it, um, to just kind of like check, right? Like just kind of a check, like good ideas. I love it. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I can only imagine the women going through your program, the uh, marriages that you're investing in as a a third party and the families, the the generations to come Mm -hmm. that that's having an impact on. So I think that's really powerful and beautiful work. So keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate that to you as well. You're doing the good work as well. If you love mommy's podcast, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village, and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.